My new book is out, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital. It hit the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list, and I just wanted to say thank you. I hope you get it at capitalistbook.com. Here's what user Jay Eggleston said in an Amazon review. Warning, this book is addicting, is Nathan the new Tim Ferriss. He said, I met Nathan during my college days when he was still CEO of Hayo. I knew he was inspiration since the day I met him. The book is totally a Nathan Latka original, and this is the new four-hour work week. Warning, though, it is addicting. I'm not sure how long I've been reading it now, and the only thing that is making me from put it down is the dreaded workday tomorrow. Six people found that helpful. Get the book today at capitalistbook.com. Don't take life so seriously. Focus on getting the best out of the people. You know, he had a lot of experience inside big sales organizations, well, relatively big sales organizations in the form of CEB uh, and Gartner. Decided in 2014, you know what? I'm gonna go do this myself. Things need to be fixed. He now has 35 team members in Denver and other remote locations, helping over 200 brands across 50,000 seats. Again, build better and more efficient sales teams. Do it doing somewhere around 7 million bucks in AR today. Focused on doubling year over year. So about 3.5 million bucks in AR back in July of 2017. 17. Average ARPU or first year ACV is about 35 grand and he's willing to spend uh, maximum up to that amount to acquire the customer. So 12 month payback, $35,000 uh, CAC again in the worst case. Uh, really impressive numbers here in terms of revenue retention annually at 135%. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Paul Ironside. For the first 18 years of his career, he built and scaled sales organizations at both Gartner and CEB. The corporate cultures instilled a sales rigor and discipline that has helped to accelerate the complexities of sales management operations, as well as the development of reps and their managers. He's now doing that full-time at his current company, Commercial Tribe. Paul, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. I am. Sorry, a little bit of a recording issue, but uh, I think I'm ready to go. No worries, Paul. All right. So everyone has to sell. You're in a hot space. Everybody needs you in an ideal world. Tell us about the company. What do you do and how do you make money? Yeah, sure. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for uh, carving out some time for me this morning. Uh, so Commercial Tribe is in the business of helping sales managers and reps engineer to goal. And what we have figured out is how do we begin to identify the key critical selling behaviors that if in fact modeled to a high standard across the sales process, will actually engineer a rep to goal. And how, so how are you doing that? Is this, you know, we, we've had people on like dial source or call rail, which are, you know, plug into the call system. Others go the CRM route. There's a lot of different angles you could take. How do you, what angle do you take? Yeah, sure. So it's all built in this concept of manager effectiveness. And so you have to first and foremost subscribe to the fact that behaviors in fact will drive performance, that you are, a players are doing something different than your B players, than your C players. That's the first kind of concept you need to grasp. The second thing is, as you think about a sales process, there's a beginning, middle, and end to that process. And the behaviors are different. Mm -hmm. And that we can, as sales managers, observe those behaviors, whether in a live setting, in a face-to-face -face type of a sales call, and or participating in a joint call where a rep is dialing into a conference bridge. 
I and see. We begin to assess those behaviors and correlate them back to performance. Sales model wise, are you typically bottoms up? One rep finds you, starts using you on their personal credit card, then you land and expand, or are you selling directly to the, the chief revenue officer? We go top down. So good question. We go top down selling to the chief revenue, chief sales officer in through ops and enablement and you know, drive it from that particular point of view. That's great. And just before we get more of your back, we move to your backstory here. Uh, I don't want to go down every customer cohort right now, but on average, what is a team paying for a commercial tribe? Yeah, sure. So, so our target segments tend to be the enterprise-based segments. So large organizations that have a global footprint, lots of sales executives. We do get into the what I'd characterize as the larger kind of mid-market segment. Uh, organizations with at least 100 sales executives tends to be our target. Okay. And quantify that for me. So does that I mean they're paying you a grand a month, 10 grand a month, a million a month? Generally yeah, speaking, where are you? I would say that our, you know, it, it ranges from about, you know, $25,000, $35,000 on an annual basis up to, you know, four or $500,000 a year. Got it. Just depending on Now, is it typical that they'll start on the maybe 35 ACV and then you're growing or are you landing contracts right at 500 grand in, in year Correct. one ACV? Correct. That's typically the way that it works is there's adoption in one particular business unit. And then we look to expand by role region or, or business, a business unit. Yep. The reason I asked that is later on in this call, because you are a sales guy, I want to talk about how you forecast and kind of put a pro forma together for every new salesperson you hire in terms of ramp up rate, what the quote is, all that jazz. So we'll talk yeah, about that yeah, later. Yeah. Let's put this, this bad boy on a timeline though. When did you launch the company? About four years ago. Four. Okay. So 2014. And where was your head at, at that point? Did you just, you know, quit your big cushy corporate job? I mean, where were you at? So, so, so yeah. So sometimes I characterize it as born and raised at Gartner individual contributor turned sales manager, kind of classic trajectory. I was there for eight years. I left, went to an organization based in Washington, D.C., the corporate executive order, CEB, there for 10 years. Last couple of years, uh, I ran the sales organization, direct report to the chairman and CEO, $500 million kind of ARR target, uh, 600 sales executives. Some would say that's at scale. When you talk to the head of sales at Cisco, that's a, kind of a rounding error, so to speak. Uh, but that was my background. But had the kind of perennial challenge, like all sales managers, on how to lift productivity. And so, you know, one thing led to another. I had an idea and kind of away we went. But Paul, how, you, you make it sound so simple and easy, but there's a lot of people listening right now stuck, not stuck in, but they're making 300 grand a year in a corporate job. And they're so comfortable, even if they have a bunch of ideas, they never actually will take the leap. I mean, what actually made you, it sounds like this was a very cushy job. What made you take the leap? Uh, you know, running sales organizations, I think when you talk to the practitioners that are doing it and doing it for a living, what you find is it's a unique function inside an organization. And we are constantly, constantly chasing the number. Mm -hmm. And so at some particular point, about four or five years ago, I said, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. I just didn't have the passion for growing and kind of running the same operating system for another organization. So I, you know, I, again, I, I have a soft spot in my, my heart for sales reps and sales managers. How do we lift their productivity? And we headed down the venture path. That's great. Now, when you, when you quit the job, did you kind of bootstrap this for the first couple of years or did you raise capital immediately? I did. Okay. Bootstrapped. Yeah, so my own personal money in there and so forth. Hopefully my wife isn't listening. Probably too much money at college education is kind of in it. Uh, and then finally she said, you know, how much money do we actually have in this thing? And I, I kind of just, you know, glossed over it to a certain extent. And uh, then from there we you know, began to raise capital. How much have you raised to date? Uh, about 12 million, 12 million paid in capital to date. Okay. And when you say paid in capital, is that because you're including like venture debt and other kind of forms of capital in there or is all no, equity? No, 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 no. So we have a syndicate that we've raised capital from, uh, and that's the total, uh, paid in venture capital today. 
Yeah, but all equity, no, no debt, no safe note, no seat. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of debt, you know, here and there, but uh, you know, nothing, nothing material. I ask that because I'm seeing more and more folks that are raising venture rounds are then actually using that as leverage to then go raise out cheaper capital in the form of venture debt from a Timia or Hercules or Lighter Capital or ScaleWorks or these guys. You've chosen not to do that. Uh, no, we actually have. So, so, so we work with both uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Square One and so forth, and we take out you know revolving debt lines and things of that nature just to uh, you know protect the equity side of things. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's an absolute interesting you know strategy for organizations to take. And I think the venture debt market is becoming more and more interesting. Did you decide to do it as a facility or not actually a term loan? In other words, could you take down all the money on the line up front and then pay interest, or you just draw down as needed? So we actually have a couple of different instruments, but the one that we currently have now is the, is the former instrument. Got it. That's great. Yeah. And there are 7,000 different terms in that space. And I'm trying to help entrepreneurs get a better grasp on what it actually means to take venture debt. Cause it's very, they're very different. All right. Very good. So 12 million in the company launched 2014. And what have you scaled to today in terms of total teams using you? So there are probably now close to 50,000 individual sales executives that are now leveraging commercial tribe. Okay. That's great. So 50,000 sales execs. Now do you have a free plan? We do not. Okay. So those are all, those all roll up into logos that are paying you something. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. We, uh, we, you know, maybe just given the fact that we're kind of buy reps for sales reps and so forth, we don't give away our software. Uh, it's yeah. just in, you know, part of the organization and maybe in the fabric or DNA of the company. And in terms of number of logos that, that 50,000 seats fall up, up under you, I think you said earlier, the average team size was called a hundred. So is it fair to say you got about 500 logos working with you? Uh, roughly, roughly, probably a little lower than that. Cause we, we tend to bias the enterprise segment. And so, you know, larger companies with uh, the Granges of the world, you know, 3,500 sales executives, ADP, you know, 2,500 sales executives, that type of a thing. I see. I see. So, I mean, I mean, are we talking way lower, like a hundred or more like 400 or? Uh, it's probably closer in the 200 range. Yes. 200 range. Okay, good. So good. Very much, very much enterprise focused. Um, let's, uh, let's shift real quick. I want to understand how you're landing these kinds of customers. So what's your team look like today? Yeah, sure. So we have kind of your classic sales distribution model, <coughs> sales SaaS distribution model. So we have target segments and we've kind of gone through a bunch of modeling to identify what in fact is the most receptive segment. Uh, and we leverage a number of different kinds of social campaigns and marketing to try and soften those beaches. And then we have a, a BDR team that's calling into those organizations to schedule appointments. Okay. And okay. We'll, we'll break, break all this down for me though. What's your total team size today? So roughly, roughly, we've got about 35, uh, you know, total team members. Okay. And how many of those are some kind of sales function? Uh, roughly, probably a third of those. Okay. And everyone's in Denver? Uh, no, we have a couple of remote team members. Okay. Denver and remote. And then the, the cup, I think you said a third of those. So call it 10 of the 35 in a sales role. Walk me through how you're, I mean, you've raised capital. So I assume you've probably spent some of that capital on scaling your sales organization. How do you forecast things like ramp up period? What's appropriate quota, things like that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it evolves, you know, certainly as an organization that, uh, you know, we've kind of, our value proposition has always been aimed at targeting uh, and lifting productivity of, of reps and managers. How we've done that has evolved. So in terms of the ramp up, in terms of where we were, myself and co-founder were kind of first two sales executives. Uh, and got to scale moderately quickly. And then we kind of began to understand, hey, we need to now renew and grow these accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that kind of began to shift the organization a little bit. And probably over the last, maybe call it 15 to 18 months, really started to understand what the operating system and rhythm is associated to new hire onboarding and what those ramps look like. Yep. You know, so we have traditional quotas that can range depending on, you know, tenure of individual five to $750 million in terms of net new product bookings. 
Uh, and we can look to get somebody to scale into ramp, you know, arguably within a six to nine month time frame. You meant 750 grand in new ARR closed? Correct. Okay. And that's annually or quarterly? Annually. Annually. Interesting. Okay, good. And then look, backing, before we go into some other unit economics, backing up quickly just to get a yeah. general size. I mean, 200 customers, 50,000 seats. If I take that 200 customers times your, you know, I think you said minimum ACV is called around 35 grand a year. That puts you right now at about a $7 million run rate. Is that generally accurate? Uh, yeah, we're a privately held company and so forth, but uh, uh, sounds roughly right. Let me, let me ask it differently. What, what makes you uncomfortable in terms of your stretch goal for the end of December, uh, 2018? What, what AR would you love to hit? Yeah, what's the, yeah, sure, sure. So, so in terms of where we are and how we think about, uh, you know, communicating out to the broader community, and I know that your constituency is, uh, is certainly in the investment side of the equation and how we do, whether we beat that top line number and or depending on the shifts in the marketplace. It's less also, Paul, just real quick, sorry, it's less about like if you beat or not, it's more about how you think about what that target is. So, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to double the size of the organization every single year. That's what okay. we're trying to engineer too. Okay. Have you done that over the past? Tw- so, you know, if you're at call it 7 million or around that AR today, AR today, were you about half that take it back a year ago? Uh, roughly, roughly. Okay. That's good. And has most of that growth come from adding on new logos or expanding teams you already had? So it's uh, it's a little bit of both. And we've seen, you know, depending on the segment of the market, again, enterprise versus uh, mid-market, we tend to have fewer enterprise customers uh, than we do necessarily mid market just by, you know, by the size of, uh, and nature of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've kind of split it about kind of evenly in terms of net new growth versus upsell. When a salesperson comes into your office this morning, you know, having this call in the morning and they sit down at their computer, how do they know whether to focus their time on going after the new guys or adding 30 accounts to someone that already has a hundred seats? Yeah, sure. And so we've kind of separated those individual roles. Ah. And so the vision of labor to try and make sure that, you know, our hunters are hunters and our Farmers are farmers. So that's interesting. So you won't keep the same familiar face. In other words, the executive that closed the first seat will not be the one that's rep- you know uh, in charge of getting activation metrics hit and then expanding seat size. You pass that off at some point. We do now in the enterprise segment. We will try and maintain some continuity of that relationship. Interesting. Interesting. Now you've studied this a ton. You found that that's more effective than keeping the same rep on those accounts the whole life cycle. No question. Interesting. Why? So certainly within the enterprise segment, building that relationship and establishing that, what we found is there's certainly an opportunity to grow and upsell those individual you know, companies. In the mid-market where there's just limited opportunity to further grow, the skill sets associated to hunting, if I can use that vernacular, sure. are just fundamentally different than that of, of farming. Yep. Okay. Interesting. That makes good sense. Uh, let's wrap up here with economics real quick. Um, you raise capital. You also strike me as a guy that also obviously is paying attention to the books and not getting too aggressive. How aggressive are you willing to be in terms of customer acquisition costs? Do you go up to, you know, one year ACV or will you go up to 24 months? Uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, we try and keep it within the, you know, if we can beat the 12 month mark, that's what we're targeting at. And so I certainly consider myself to be one of the you know, dedicated sales executives, if you will. So it does have an interesting way of actually shaping that number, given the fact that I and co-founder uh, are considered to be, you know, on the front lines, if you will. Yeah. So if, again, just to make sure I understand if you're one ACV is 35 grand, you're totally comfortable spending that to acquire them. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah yes. At a maximum. At a maximum. Yeah. Yeah. So paybacks are below 12 months. Uh, that is certainly one of the things that we're targeting. Yeah. How, what will enable you to drive that? It sounds like maybe you're a little above that right now. What will, what will enable you to drive that lower? Just, you know, better conversion rates. You know, mm-hmm. can we begin to execute in earlier top of the funnel stages, uh, better, faster, cheaper? 
churn is critical in this kind of business. What's your churn today and how do you think about it? Yeah. So we, we ran into a little bit of a churn issue in our first kind of product, which was a video based product. Okay. Uh, and what we learned is there was an episodic nature to the, the product itself and so forth. And that individual organizations weren't certifying on messaging on a weekly or monthly basis. What we were finding is kind of trimesters to quarterly to maybe even semi-annually. And so how do we begin to indoctrinate into workflow? And it was through that, that journey and those sets of lessons that we really figured out this manager effectiveness and how can we now begin to really understand how behaviors drive performance. So, so what, I mean, what is your churn today and do you measure it monthly or annually? Uh, we measure it monthly and we measure it annually. And it's, you know, it depends on, you know, the product that we have, but, you know, we try and keep it in the single digits to the extent that we can. I mean, that is okay. certainly our goal. So less than 10%, you know, per month. And is that logo churn or revenue churn? So we look at both of it. You know, we look at both the, the, the dollar churn and we look at the, the logo churn. We also look at it on a gross and uh, on, a, on a net dollar churn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, you know, we try and maintain uh, somewhere in the, in the low single digits or, you know, single digits on, on both dollar and unit based. Yep. When you look at, you know, a lot of people have troubles with giving, getting to net revenue expansion, being above hundred percent annually, mainly because they don't have any expansion opportunities, right? You can't, it's impossible to go above hundred percent. If you have no expansion opportunities, you've got a pricing plan in the form of seed expansion that allows you to drive expansion to cover, you know, your gross revenue churn. So are you above hundred percent net revenue retention annually today? And if so, by how much? Yes. So yes is the short answer to the question. <laughs> Uh, and I want to say in close of calendar Q2, it was like 135, 140%. Oh, that's great. 135% net revenue retention annually. Correct. That's well, great. That, that's how we came out of the second quarter. Yep. 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 You're analyzing that cohort. Correct. Yep. That's great. Uh, last question here on economics, a lifetime value can be dangerous because you can assume it's too long and then it misguides you. Do you use that as a guiding kind of indicator for you or, in, or, so, or not? You know, good question. You know, I think we do that more when we're kind of talking to, to the board and thinking about, you know, uh, outside, you know, investors will look at the LTV component. Uh, candidly, it's not one of the things that we're actually using on kind of a monthly dashboard internally. Great. Let's skip over it then. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, Paul, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book probably right now is how to win friends and influence others. Uh, win friends and influence people. Uh, yeah. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? You know, probably the CEO that I think I'm following currently right now is, uh, is a local CEO. His name is, uh, Thad. Uh, Ebsby that runs Ombud. Uh, and I think he's a small entrepreneur that's just figuring out ways to drive innovation in the marketplace. He's a local Denver CEO. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business besides your own? Probably, um, I'm using uh, an application called Todoist right now. Um, you know, I, I read the checklist manifesto and certainly have an appreciation for checklists. Commercial Tribe has an orientation around that. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night, Paul? Uh, I am now, I just read, uh, the uh, national geographics latest edition on sleep and, uh, it's a, it's a really, really important thing. And I'm concentrating on getting seven hours, 11 AM to six. That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single kids. So happily married 20 years, two kids. One's a, a senior in high school and the other one's a sophomore in high school. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 48. Okay. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, 20 year old self knew was, um, uh, don't take it so seriously and 
how to uh, how to get you know the best out of people. Guys, there we have it. Don't take life so seriously. Focus on getting the best out of the people. You know, he had a lot of experience inside big sales organizations or well, relatively big sales organizations in the form of CEB uh, and Gartner. Decided in 2014, you know what? I'm gonna go do this myself. Things need to be fixed. He now has 35 team members in Denver and other remote locations helping over 200 brands across 50,000 seats. Again, build better and more efficient sales teams. Do it doing somewhere around 7 million bucks in AR today. Focused on doubling year over year. So about 3.5 million bucks in AR back in July. July of 2017. Average ARPU or first year ACV is about 35 grand and he's willing to spend a maximum up to that amount to acquire the customer. So 12 month payback, $35,000 uh, CAC again in the worst case. Uh, really impressive numbers here in terms of revenue retention annually at 135%. Paul, thank you so much for taking us to the top. You bet.